Matthew chapter 21 is where we're going to be this morning. I appreciate you praying for me. This is uh, really a good parable. Uh, It's not an easy parable uh, for me, but it is a wonderful wonderful and powerful parable. And uh, I didn't mean to spend uh, three or four weeks on it, but I think I'm going to have to because this morning I'm only looking at uh, two verses. So the title of the message this morning is The Wicked Tenants. And uh, the subtitle of that would be The Revealed Judgment. So there was a judgment revealed to these people, but it wasn't a judgment that happened immediately, but it was a judgment that for sure happened at a later date. And so I think it's something that we can learn today. So we've already read verses uh, 33 through 46 So let me just read verses 40 and 41. So when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him their fruits, the fruits, give give him the fruits in their seasons. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So Matthew chapter 21 is a loaded chapter as we would expect it to be as we head towards the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. It's, it's pending. It's almost, it's, it's surely Im- imminent and it's coming quickly. So Jesus rode into Jerusalem uh, on a donkey. He announces his lordship which was a tad bit out of character for him. He drives the buyers and sellers out of the temple. He makes the temple a a place of prayer and healing. The priest and the scribes take offense at the praise of the children. Jesus curses the fig tree and gives a lesson on faith and prayer, which is really uh, unique, I think, in how Jesus went from cursing a fig fig tree to teaching on faith and prayer. We looked at Jesus' authority being questioned. We looked at the parable of the two sons uh, last week, and uh, that's, uh, that's where we were. And then we began to look at the parable of the wicked tenants. So I want you to understand there's a connection between the parable of the two sons, the parable of the wicked tenants, and the parable of the wedding feast. There are three back-to-back parables that he probably taught at one sitting. So you're getting it over a period of time, but it's probably something that he taught at one sit-down with the people that were there. Both of the parables have to do with a vineyard. This vineyard represents God's kingdom, uh, the the kingdom of the Jews, the uh, Jewish church at that time. But I want you to see that there's a progression in these two parables. In the parable of the two sons... Uh, we, we see rebellion, and we see one son being a hypocrite. So that's bad enough, but then we get to the parable of the tenants, and we have gone from rebellion, we've gone from being hypocritical to being murderers. So if you don't know it yet, if you haven't realized yet, sin is progressive in nature. 
We can't just go here and think that we'll be able to put on the brakes and to stop. That may not be the case. Sin progressively hardens as we go. We need to be considerate of that. So let's quickly look at what we looked at it last week just to bring us up to date and maybe get somebody uh, on board that wasn't here that we might understand where we're at this morning. So we won't spend a whole lot of time with, in, with the review, but let's look at it quickly. Verse 33, here another parable. There was a master of the house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, built a tower, leased it to tenants, and went into another country. That, is, that was not uncommon for that place in that time. It happened all the time. And people were was familiar with that kind of language. I want you to know that this was the best vineyard that could be supplied at that time. Every, everything was in place to have a good crop. Everything was in place to really uh, to benefit from that vineyard and its production of wine. The master of the house represents God Almighty himself. The nation of Israel is a vineyard. God Almighty being in heaven has left his church at that time the, the, the Jewish nation, uh, he had left them to his, as his church, and he had left them in the hands of the high priest and the scribes and the Pharisees. He had left them being in charge or being charged over by the priests, religious people. So that's kind of where we are with this vineyard. Then look at verse 34. When the season for fruit drew near... He sent his servant to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did the same to them. So it came time for the harvest. He hadn't gotten anything yet, so he sent representatives to go to find out what was going on. So these servants obviously represent all of the Old Testament prophets. I'm talking about the Lord sent prophet after prophet, Old Testament major prophets and minor prophets calling the people to repent and to get rid of their idols. Well, is that not a message for today? I mean, we can't just look at it and not realize that we as a church, we as people must repent of our sins, get rid of our idols, And not only uh, do we need to do that today, but we also need to realize that 40 years after this parable and this, this speaking of the pending judgment, the nation of Israel was really wiped off the map. Did y'all hear me? A nation, a special nation, a nation chosen by God because they were not willing to repent of their sins and turn to God and get rid of their idols, God destroyed them. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't know how you could live in America today and not be scared to death of the judgment to come if you're not a Christian. I, I can't find these people being a lick worse than America today. And to think that we're some kind of special nation that God wouldn't drop judgment on at any time is foolish thinking. And I'll say more about that as we go. So the prophets were sent. It was sent to the Jewish church. 
And guess who it's reproving? Guess who needs reproved in America today? Pastors. Preachers. Guess who he was reproving? The priest. The religious people who were not leading by example their people to repent and to get rid of their idols. You, you, you listen to way more radio preachers and TV preachers than I do. But I, I don't hear much call for repentance. I don't. I mean, it, it's never been crazier than it is today. I just don't hear people who have, have a voice. I've got a little voice. There's people who have millions of followers thousands of followers that I don't hear calling for repentance. It ought to scare us. These priests were admonished and the people were admonished that they owed to God a certain responsibility and that responsibility was fruit. And that's what they were looking for. Religious fruit. And these prophets were rudely treated and I can tell you, just uh, follow, uh, follow anybody on, on uh, Twitter that might be uh, speaking for the Lord and speaking the truth. Uh, they're pretty rudely treated. And to speak the truth in America today, wow. You want a little rudely, rude treatment? Most people are not speaking the truth anymore. And uh, somewhere this week I kind of, kind of heard this, look. If you're being quiet and not speaking the truth when it's brought, when obvious lies and obvious evil is brought into your attention, right? If, if you're exposed to somebody's uh, lies or somebody's uh, misstatement and you do not speak to that, you're not being the Christian that God called you to be. Verse 38, but when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Wow, we know who that's talking about. And uh, I I think there's plenty of scripture that don't expect to be treated any other way than he was treated. You know what Jesus Christ is being here? He's being a prophet. He's speaking of his own impending death. Is he not? He was aware of this. Our Lord would not be surprised and would not be afraid. Just a couple of weeks ago, and I I find myself amazed that we're in lesson 105 of 200 and 200. So we're just a little over halfway through a four-year study in, in, the, in the Answers in Genesis curriculum. And we've been looking at, we looked at Micah and Isaiah a couple of weeks ago. And we're looking at all that was going on with the nation of Israel. We're looking at the good kings and the bad kings. It just so lines up with what we're looking at in this parable. The need for... Heeding the word 
to repent and turn to God. The landowner is God. The servants are the prophets. And the son sent is Jesus. Now, you want to know, you want to know the capabilities of man? Here it is. Murder. The parable shows us the extent of man's sinfulness and his hatred for God and for others. I believe Romans chapter 5, not only does it say that we were weak, not only does it say we were ungodly, not only does it say all of that and that we were sinners, but you know what else it says about us? We were enemies of God. That's who man is without Christ. We are enemies of God. And they killed the Son. Today, we're looking at the reveal judgment. So let's go to verse 40. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. The time of accountability has arrived. Uh, built the vineyard. I mean, everything was in place. Put a fence around it, a watchtower in it. And the time for fruit had come. And there was no fruit. He had sent three different groups. They'd killed, them, killed all the ones that he came. They finally killed the son. So what has come? The time to be held accountable. Look, there is a time that all sinners without Christ will be held accountable. We may think we're delaying it, but it is pending. And you know what we don't know? It may be imminent. There's, there's one guy laying up in the nursing home. He's on hospice care. Uh, there's another guy, Bob Hensley, on hospice care in the hospital at Texarkana. These guys have got time to get ready for what's coming. Are y'all with me? Not everybody has that. I'm in the jail Tuesday, have a great Bible study. Uh, this guy has been over there six or seven months. He's in there for a horrible crime. Uh, but we have a great Bible study. Uh, I had got, to get, had got to know the guy. I mean, we have a great Bible study. I left there. Uh, that night, there was a little scuffle in the jail. He got stirred up, got hurt, whatever the case may be. Ended up having a heart attack and died. You know how much time he had? Judgment is imminent. And we need to be ready. For the time of the judgment being revealed was here for these people. So... Look who spoke what the judgment would be. Are y'all with me? Look at verse 41. They said to him, who? The people, the scribes, and the Pharisees, they said to him, this what ought to happen. This is, this is sober thinking. These people pronounce their own, listen, just punishment. Would, would we not do the same thing? If God drops judgment on America, would we not have the sense to say, come on now, we had it coming. 
Public education was always intended by our founding fathers for the main textbook to be the Bible. And those founding fathers taught, they spoke of the day that they feared when the Bible would not be the primary textbook in public education. Well, that happened back in the 60s. Bible gone from public education. Not long after that, we began to murder babies in the womb. And listen, that's not over, church. The battle has just gone back to the state level. Homosexual marriages were proved in the mid-1980s, forcing upon us the thought process that a marriage can be between two men or two women. I said, supposedly can be. And we know it can't be. Homosexuality and the forcing that agenda upon us. And listen, all of that is demonic. Well, listen, you don't get any more demonic than, than a country paying for the mutilation of young people. Demonic. So what would be our just punishment? Wiped out. You know, I'd sure take being wiped out than being taken over by the Muslims. How many times did it happen to Israel? If Assyria wasn't good enough, Babylon was. And we sit here and we're not concerned about that? We ought to be begging God for revival. (laughs) This is pretty good. I wish this was mine. (laughs) Most of us can see others' sins really clearly. Yet at the same time, we fail to see our own. That's human nature. Hey, look. Don't look at China and think... China is some wicked, evil nation, or Russia. I'm telling you, those countries don't have anything on us. Y'all with me? 2 things. The Lord of the vineyard for these people, He has come. Y'all with me? The Lord will come. When he does, he will deal justly with them and he will deal justly with each of us and this nation when he comes. God is the creator and at judgment time, everybody will know that he is God. Many will say in their minds, he's not coming. There will be no consequences. Listen to me. The judge stands at the door. And he could call any one of us or this nation to account at any moment. You know what our our place is? Our place is not only ready to be, not only being ready, our place is to warn especially our loved ones and our friends and our acquaintance of the coming judgment. Paul, 
in his last days? What did he call the kings and the others that would come to him? The coming judgment and righteousness. There's many that sell there will be no consequences. But the judge stands at the door. Christians and imposters also, did you hear me, have their day coming. By the way, in, I believe it's August the 31st, MacArthur One Year Bible, if you have that, is a really good study on the coming judgments. It's just a short paragraph. But there's a really good study on the impending judgments for Christians and for non-Christians. So if you've got that, there's a really good study. And I thought about going there, but we're not going there this morning. Probably not going there now. But Christians, as well as hypocrites and those who think that they're hypocrites or think they're Christians, as well as just the outright lost, have their day coming. We have our day coming. Listen to Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Another interesting thing happened uh, at, the, at the jail this week. I hardly ever run into this, but uh, I had two young guys that really wanted to, uh, they kind of wanted to bow up on me uh, because they have, they have gone that, down that road in America of easy believism. All you're required to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, believe that uh, he died on the cross for your sins and they believe that you can do that and just go on living like you want to live and be saved. I'm telling you, that's, that's where America is at. But listen to what the scripture says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So if we are Christians, we will have a concern to do the will of God. That is an indication that you're saved. That doesn't save you. That is just an indication that you are saved. This, this one kid said, well, you know, I heard, I heard the message about, uh, and this, this is the other place uh, in America that we are. They hear about believing God, believing Jesus, but they don't hear the first half of the gospel. You know what it says in Mark 1, 14 and 15? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And repentance means they change the direction. You stop going your way and you begin to go God's way. That's the first requirement. The second requirement is to believe the gospel. So uh, anyway, so this, this one kid said, I took 30 days or three months or whatever. I read, the, I read the Bible every day. And it's just believe in God. That's the gospel. He said, I, I can't find anything contrary to that. And I said, well, I don't have anything contrary to that rather than some Scripture. And beginning with this one, we just looked at Scripture in the New Testament. Uh, matter of fact, you know, it says in James 2, 14 through 17, 18, uh, faith without repentance or faith without fruit uh, is dead faith. Faith without works or works, yeah, faith without works is no faith at all. It was like, it was like this kid had never heard such things in his life. He said, where is that? So we turned at it and looked at it. Look at verse 22. It gets worse. It, it calls in the scribes and the Pharisees. It calls in the, 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 the hypocrites. It calls in the, the, the false teachers. Many will say to me on that Lord day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? 
Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There's a judgment to come. Unchanged professors, priests, preachers, and false teachers have their day coming. And, and I'm telling you, for, for false teachers and false preachers and false prophets, that day will be a terrible day. Number two, the first was, the Lord of the vineyard will come. God is coming. The secondly, it will be a terrible outcome for the guilty party. The owner will destroy, what did he say? Those wretched people. Destroy. Next week, we're looking at uh, the Jesus being the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, those who stumble over him and don't repent and believe in him. You know what the next part of that says? They'll be crushed by him. Well, look at that next week. It's going to be a terrible fate for those who stumble over Jesus and do not believe in Jesus. A terrible fate. Matthew Henry says, Let men never expect to do ill and fare well. Wow. Did you hear that? Really, I'd change it. Let men never expect to do evil and fare well. Doing evil, continually doing evil, doing known and willful evil, don't expect to fare well at judgment. So this was fulfilled really quickly with the Jews. Now, yeah, we'll look at, we'll look at those a, a second. But not too long, 40 years after this, Jerusalem was destroyed. We'll look at the scripture too. You talk about terrible. What happened to Jerusalem? What happened to the nation of Israel when the Lord destroyed it? It's, it's hard to even read. It was a pitiful destruction brought upon Jews, and some of those were saved and some were lost. But you know what? They had to go through it. John MacArthur says, Death is not the great equalizer, but judgment is. Do you hear me? Death is not the great equalizer. But you know what everybody will do after death? Stand before God at judgment, and that is the great equalizer. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. We, matter of fact, we just got through reading this in the last few days. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Pretty simple, young people. I wish I'd have known this when, you, when I were your age. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. It is a destruction that will befall all the wicked. And then he goes on to say, the vineyard will be given to other tenants, that being the Gentiles, that being the gospel. And all that's very exciting. But we're, we're 
several thousand years, a couple of thousand years past that, of it being given to the Gentiles. And I just wonder when it's going to be brought to conclusion. I also ran across this, and it's a great thought. God will have his church in the world. He's not going to be without a church. And ministers, and prophets, and priests can be destroyed, but his church will not be destroyed. He will have his church. Look, if the seven churches in Revelation didn't do his will, He found somebody else to do it, right? If Maranatha Baptist Church doesn't try to be the church that God would have us to be, he'll find somebody else to do it. Mark 12, 9. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Luke 20, 15 and 16. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard this, they said, surely not. The King James Version says, God forbid. They they said, God forbid. That was probably the scribes and the priests that were saying that. God forbid that this will happen. Did y'all hear me? That's what's going to happen. I want to tell you, if America doesn't repent, God's going to bring judgment on America. Now, you know why nobody's preaching that. They would be absolutely crucified on social media. Because you know what that's doing? That's calling all this transing dysphoria and homosexuality and abortion, same-sex marriage, it's calling all of that evil. And you can't do that. Hebrews 2, 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You know what that great salvation is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing will bring salvation without Jesus and His blood. It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard. Acts 13, 46, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, the Jews, and since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. The Jews' loss was the Gentiles' gain. Amen? And all of us said amen. The unbelief of man will not nullify the judgment of God. You know what I'm talking about? You can deny Christ all you want to. You can deny the Ten Commandments. You can deny that evil is evil up until a certain point. And there'll be no denying of it. Just because you've refused to believe it does not mean that you won't be judged by it. I, I think that's where people are at. I've opted out. I'm my own God. I won't have to face anybody at judgment. I'm just going to die and be gone. Luke 21, 24. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. Now look, 
Well, let's just cover a little history here, okay? So, uh, in, in the last two or three studies we had, the Assyrian army was over here, and they had besieged Jerusalem. And so they were just waiting to come in and take the city at that time. Y'all with me? And y'all remember that night? God came among the Assyrians and 185,000 soldiers, are y'all with me, died. So next morning, the king didn't have any soldiers, so he went back to the home base, right? Now tell me that's not a miracle, all right? That happened suddenly, right? I mean, they didn't think anybody was going to survive what was going to happen the next day, right? Yet we would think that China couldn't take over America or the Muslims couldn't take over America. It could happen like that. By his own words, Jesus said that the church would shortly be taken out of the hands of those Pharisees and those elders and those priests and put into the hands of the Gentiles. Wow! Those dogs were going to be the carriers of the gospel. His apostles, those twelve, and those that would follow him, the gospel ministry. Now that's pretty exciting, isn't it? But you got to remember, what happened to the Jews was judgment. About 40 years later, I've already said, judgment came upon the Jews in Jerusalem. Wiped out. So let's just think about in closing, judgments of the past and the coming judgment. Could we? If there's been judgments in the past, and there has been, there's judgments to come. We know that to be the truth by God's Word. Anybody remember chapter 5 of Genesis? Uh, I should have brought it up here with me, and we've got the timeline and some dates, but uh, 1,500 years, 1,300 years, 1,000 years uh, after Adam and Eve, we had a worldwide flood. That was the first judgment. Wiped out everybody except Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and their wives. That's a judgment. Egypt and the plagues and the death of the firstborn. Egypt was judged. Somebody say amen. The nation of Israel. Remember, good kings, repentance, living for God, bad kings, rebellion, and God's judgment. Yes. Okay? Those are judgments. Many happening, many happenings that no one even mentions that might be the judgment of God. Listen, you want to stir some folks up, just talk about anything that happens might being the judgment of God. All right, so let me just give you some things happening, okay? We're in the strangest period of world history we have ever experienced. I'm quoting from a uh, uh, Reformation Charlotte, a dissenter's uh, article from a couple of weeks ago. Wars in many parts of the world. Famines in odd places. 
Y'all know what a famine is? Lack of food in odd places. You know what that means? Where there ought to be food. Numerous earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, locust infestations destroying national farmland, a massive plague of bats severely terrorizing parts of Australia, African swine fever wiping out millions of pigs worldwide, rampant violence, somebody say amen, crime in major cities, runaway inflation, volatile stock markets, irrational behavior. Did you know, probably two years ago, a doctor performing a double mastectomy on a 13-year-old would have gone to prison. There's a doctor in California that admitted to performing that surgery on numerous 13-year-olds. He was asked by another doctor what would be his limit. And he said, I would consider today any 12-year-old but I have no age limits on who I would do that to. Now, if y'all don't know that's happening in America, and, and if we're not there yet, and we probably are, kids are being taken away from their parents by the state so that surgery can be performed on them. That is irrational behavior that's counted as normal. Heat waves, forest fires, food and water shortages, numerous health problems, young, ade- young adults following de- following, falling dead. Just this week, a 20-year-old rising soccer star falls dead. A pandemic that changed the world, killing over a million Americans and six million worldwide, according to NBC News. You know what nobody's going to say? That could just be a taste of the judgment of God. Is it a judgment of God? Could it be a judgment of God? It didn't happen without God allowing it. Matthew 25, 5, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. You remember those, those uh, bride, bridesmaids waiting for the bridegroom? They didn't have enough oil. They were drowsy and they slept. He came back, right? Listen to this. Mark 4, 18 and 19, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word of God, but the cares of the world and the deceitful of richness and desires for other things enter in and choke the word and proves it unfruitful. Here's where I think we're at. God's not going to bring judgment. We're pretty complacent. We're not ready. Remember those two people, uh, Noah and his family? They were building this ark and nobody had seen a flood and everybody was making fun of them. Okay, but what happened? One day it rained, didn't it? 
When we think of Jesus' warnings, it appears His people are always at peace, active, and happy. I'm telling you, we ought not, we ought not to be at peace with the sin in this world. We ought to be at peace, and the only way that we should be able to live with any sanity at all is the peace that God brings. But there's no peace in America without repentance. Then we come to the parable of the tenants. Jesus is gone to receive his kingdom and will return. He has left folks in charge since Adam and Eve, did he not? We have been commanded to watch, work, and await his return. Let me ask you, are we awake? Do we see our privileges? The grace of God and the Lord's Supper being one of those privileges. Are we about our duties? And what would that be? To, to exhibit the fruits of, the, of God in our life? Holiness, repentance, uh, the fruits of the Spirit? What would, what would be our duty to warn our children to repent and believe the gospel, to escape the judgment of, that's coming? Are we about our duties? Are we looking, expecting, and preparing for His return? Or, or even, or even what, listen, this is even worse for the lost. Now, what do I think the best for the for saved people? His return. I think that's the best. But, what about those without Christ? What would be the best that they repent? Are we preparing for His return? Are we vigilant? Are we watchful? Are we active and about advancing His kingdom? Let us not be like the world, but let us be watchful and sober. He's coming. He's coming. Be watchful and sober. It is time to awake that what we have and see the here and now, it's not all of it. It's not the end. There is an eternity. When we've been there 10,000 years, that's just the beginning of eternity. think God's angry? Can He be justly angry? Yeah. So church, I just, I just have to say this. As His church, as His people, we must understand that His return or judgment is imminent. Are we prepared for us?